Good morning. Happy Easter. Today's scripture is taken from John 6, verse 35 to 51. If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, the Pew Bibles, it starts on page 85. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. John 6, 35 to 51. Sometimes I forget things in my office. This time I had it here. That's good. Well, happy Easter to you all. Happy Easter. Easter is the apex of the Christian faith. It is the celebration of life over death. It is Jesus' resurrection from the grave, being raised by the Father. So it's a wonderful, wonderful truth, and that's what inspires us in terms of knowing him and following him, that we might indeed experience his life. Over the last weeks, if you're visiting with us, uh, through the weeks of Lent, we've been working with different bread themes. So, for example, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So, through Lent, we've been looking at Old Testament and New Testament texts of bread. Hence, the bread we have, and we're going to celebrate in a few minutes where you have a chance to actually eat some bread. So, bread was... It's interesting, bread was about two-thirds of the Middle Eastern diet in the first century, so two-thirds of the diet came from grains. So people had a big commitment to bread. Over the years, I've traveled to Bolivia quite a bit in terms of some ministry opportunities and teaching, and the, the, the Bolivian people have gone on protest significantly all through the cities, closing cities down whenever the bread prices go up too much. They don't like that, and they let everybody know we want stable prices for our bread. So again, their bread is a fair bit of their, of their diet. And so physical bread was an important part of 
the folk who were living around the Sea of Galilee in Jesus' day. And so people are thinking about bread. And the context for this story that we're looking at in John 6, we looked at last week on Palm Sunday, but the Johannine text is the feeding of the 5,000, just before what we've read. If you go back through that chapter, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. So that's, that's the context. People are very excited about it. In fact, they're so excited that they want to make him king, the text tells us in John. So the, the, this story, the feeding of the 5,000, is in all four Gospels, but it's only this one where it says the people are so excited they want to make him king. They want to give him a position of power, a position of influence, a position of money, all the things to live in a palace, all the things that a king has. They want to make Jesus king. They want to express their will. They want to control things. They want to manage things. They like it. This person gives us free bread. Let's make him king. And it's interesting, Jesus hears that and, and he decides, well, you know what, I've I got to watch this a little bit. So he sends his disciples off. He doesn't want them to get caught up in all the excitement of the crowds. He sends them off. In fact, he puts them in a boat, puts them on the Sea of Galilee and says, I'll meet you on the other side. And then he disperses the crowd. And then he goes up to the mountain to pray. That's what happens in the context here. So Jesus doesn't want power over everybody. He doesn't want all their money. He doesn't want influence in the way that the folk are thinking about when making him king. That's not why he's come. He's come to talk about the kingdom of God. And we're told very clearly that he comes to teach, he comes to preach, and he comes to heal in the name of God and express the kingdom of God. That's what he's about. He doesn't own a house. He doesn't have any money. Right? When he needs the money, he tells Peter, go fish, and the first fish you catch, you'll have a coin in its mouth, take it and pay the taxes. He doesn't want all that stuff that they've got. The devil tempts him. Remember the devil in the temptation stories? The devil takes him to a high mountain, and he says, hey, hey, look at all, look at all this. I'll give you all this. Every kingdom in the world, I'll give it all to you, man. And Jesus' response is basically, I, I don't want it. I don't want what you're giving me. And he says, no, he turns it down. I, that's not what I'm here about. So, bread. When he comes down from the mountain, he goes back to Capernaum. The crowds are still waiting for him. So he starts talking to them about spiritual bread. So he says, if you want to talk about bread, okay, well, let's talk about bread. But not just physical bread. There's spiritual bread that I want you to know about. And so that's where he's going. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says on seven different occasions, seven different I am statements. This is the first of those seven statements. 
I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's a wonderful statement. If you want spiritual nutrition, Jesus says, then I've got something to say about that. In fact, he says, I am the bread of life. If you hear what I'm saying, if you receive what I'm saying, if you eat the words that I'm saying, remember Ezekiel was told by God, here, eat this scroll. The scroll was the word of God, eat it. And so Jesus says, I have words from God, and I want you to eat these words. I want you to experience true nutrition, spiritual nutrition. So for you, in your life, I I don't know a bunch of you, so wherever you are, what's going on in your life? What is giving you spiritual nutrition? It's it's not just about eating the breads that we're going to eat, right, and enjoying a good time. It's that. But what's giving us spiritual nutrition? And then Jesus says that, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will be never hungry, never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And the reason is because he's connected to life. Notice this text. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day and believe in him. That's code language for John, to say, open your hands and receive what God has got to say for you. What is God's desire for you? Believe is to be receptive, to hear, to be open. So on this Easter Sunday, for you and for me to be open to what God has got to say to us, to be receptive to his words. Believe, receive, hear, be open in him that you will have eternal life. Zoe got a little nervous in her prayer, but she managed to get some of it out. Zoe, I love her name, Zoe, life. The Greek word for Zoe is eternal life. Eternal life is Zoe. Not just physical life, eternal life is Zoe. And so we're set here. Believe that you might have eternal life. What a wonderful promise that is. Eternal life, why? Because we are connected to God, that we are are connected to him. If you're connected to God, then God is life, and then you can't die. Physical death, you'll die, but beyond that, the grave can't hold you. Why? Because God knows you and loves you. He's got your hand. He's got your back. We have eternal life because we're connected. So in the midst of our day, day in, day out, you know, we get caught up in everything else that life's got to say and do, involved in whatever jobs we have, whatever family concerns. As John Morey was saying at the beginning, you know, we have have all our concerns, but you know, a lot of our concerns, what you were concerned about three months ago, you may not even remember today. You may not have got a clue. What, what, what was I uptight about? I know I was uptight about something. You've got to go back in your journal to find out what that, what that was. Now, of course, some things are deeper than that. 
But a lot of the stuff that we're uptight about, we can't even remember. In the midst of it all. Going forward. That's why Jesus says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, sufficient is the day. Just stay with the day, man, it's enough. And receive this life, receive. So in the midst of all the stuff, all the stuff that's going on, can we have a baseline that is connected to God, connected to God, open to God, receive from God what he has for us, and the key of that is life, eternal life. And if we know that, that will calm the waters in a big way. I have life. Sometimes at night when I'm in my bed, I think about that, eternal life, wow. How many years left do I have? You start counting them. Not as many as I used to have. So then I think, okay, what? Life, eternal life. What happens when I make my final breath? Catch the boat to the other side. There's a beauty to that, right? One of my favorite uh, poets is Gerard Manley Hopkins. In my blog this week, I'm going to use some of his stuff, but he was a Jesuit, Jesuit priest, Irishman, went to England, didn't like it there so much. But then he went back to Dublin, and he really didn't like Dublin that much either. And Hopkins actually was often very depressed. And then he would come out of it, and he wrote this amazing poetry, but he, he never got the feedback on it that, that was like, this is great poetry, and, and so he never even published it. It was all published after his death. But he was a strong believer. And on his deathbed, which, which got me, which is the link to this story, he said on his deathbed, today I am so very, very happy. I am so very, very happy. Imagine that. He didn't fear death at all. He was happy to go. I haven't met anyone yet who says that in the day on their final breath, but interesting that Hopkins chose to do that. I'm connected. I have life. So when Jesus says that we may have eternal life, He's talking about us being connected to God. So I hope that somewhere in the busyness of your day, you are giving time to that fundamental theme, that I want to be connected to God, as Jesus says. Going forward, this is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him, John uses that language a lot, may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus is talking about his life, his death, his work for us, our connection to God, that we might have that life. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. It's interesting in the word eat here, those who eat my flesh is munching, it's present, it's ongoing. It's a, it's a new word here, not the usual word for eat. Those who eat my flesh, 
meaning. That's a, you know, like that's not a nice metaphor necessarily, is it? But what Jesus is saying, will we eat the scroll? Will we hear and eat and munch and abide in him? Because as we do that, when we have a real relationship with God, abide in him. You go and look at John 15, Jesus uses that language a lot. So will we receive him? Will we open our hearts to him? Will we stay with him so that we even abide in him? So where does that go for us? Jesus is not just the dispenser of life. He is the life. He is the connecting point. So we are invited to know him as our connecting point. Jesus only wants good for you. Jesus will never bring harm to you. Stuff might happen in your life, but Jesus is only one of abundance. That's the feeding of the 5,000. No longer scarcity, but abundance. More than enough. That's Jesus' will for you, for me. Oftentimes we'll say no. We're afraid to say yes to Jesus because we're concerned about what other people will think. If I say yes to Jesus, then maybe my friends won't like me anymore. If I become really serious about Jesus, what will they think? They'll cut me off. And so we can hold back. But Jesus is saying he is life. I am the bread of life. It's a bold statement. I am. That's the language of God. Exodus 3. I am. So will we open up our hearts? Will we connect with him? Secondly, it's meant to be a real relationship. We're meant to abide in him, to eat, to not have a casual relationship. Churches are full, you know what, across Canada, often on Christmas Day and on Easter Day. So it's wonderful that you're here this morning. But we are invited to abide in him. In whatever way that is for you, to abide in Jesus. To make that dynamic relationship, make it real, not casual. Because that's the language of abiding. Eating the bread of life. Will I abide in Jesus? And when we do that connection to God, we receive life. This is the story of Easter, resurrection life. Christ breaks through the death barrier, and because he breaks through it, we will follow in his train. We've had a few folk die recently in our faith community. Different faith traditions have different ideas, you know, about how it all happens. So what happens when you die? Do you go to be with Jesus right away? I think so. Do you know him? You're connected to God? But other faith groups will say, uh, well, Christians, well, you don't go right away, but you have a nice long sleep, soul sleep, and eventually, when Christ returns, we will be raised with him. I remember talking to my dad about that, and he says, well, I don't like that one so much, son. I want to go to be with him right away. This is when he was in the process of dying. <laughs> I said, well, dad, there's different theories on this. You need to be aware. He says, I like the first theory. Go to be with Jesus. Sleeping in the grave didn't sound too good for him. But believers, it's not like you're aware of everything, but you're, the idea is that you're at peace, shalom. 
But the point is, is that we have life in Jesus. We are raised. We are raised. Jesus raises us through the power of God. That's a great, wonderful hope. The computer doesn't just go off and that's it. There's life. So Easter is about the resurrection life. Life for you, life for me, saying yes to God. Hopkins says, I'm so very, very, very happy today. Why? Because he believes he's going to be connected with Jesus right away. That was his belief. And then finally, spiritual life, we come. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me. Well, comes to me suggests that there is a certain leaving. If I come to him, I'm leaving something. So, you know, we need to ask ourselves, well, what, what, what are we leaving? if we use those words. What am I attached to? We're going to sing a song in a few minutes, and it talks about our addictions, things that we're attached to, things we have a hard time letting go. We've been living a certain way for a long time, so it becomes an attachment. Frequently, it gives us some sort of compensation a little kick, and that's why we like it. And so we don't let it go. But the text here says, those who come to me. So it might suggest some leaving. So for you, for me, what does that mean for us? What might we have to leave that would actually be really good for us? And we know it, but we seem to have struggle in doing it. But we're invited to look, to trust, to depend, lean on God for his power, the Easter celebration power, that we'll be able to open our hands instead of living like this. Take your hands, take your hands, close your fists, close your fists. Okay, that's how we often live, just like that, right? Don't we? Don't we often live like that? You know, to control everything. Yikes. And then we do that. Oh, that feels way better. That, I like that. Not that, that. Resurrection is about that. Life in Christ is that. So may we have the faith, the trust, to leave maybe whatever we might have to leave to say yes to Jesus. He only wants what is best for you, honestly. Give him a chance. Open up your heart. Good things will happen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite this thing.